KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. It's Chatterbox, where you'll find the latest news, interviews, and updates about the gaming world. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, the guests, and callers only, and not necessarily those of KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And now, here's your host for Chatterbox. It's been another week, and we are back. This is the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. Now, if you want to give us a call, talk to us during the show, feel free. It is a live program. 866-536-1100 is the phone number. One more time, 866-536-1100. Our website is chatterboxgameshow.com. I finally corrected some of the stuff on there. By correcting, I mean I took off the old stuff that I'd never touched in forever, took off our little profiles that were not working anymore from my gabercard.net or something. Um... I corrected the hours on the website and then realized that our time changed again recently, so I had to change them back. Fantastic. Right? So it was so old that it was right again. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Um, But anyway, the website is uh, at least not showing as much age as it used to. It's still uh, a website we don't exactly update with new content, except for the content of the shows, and that is the important part. Uh, Also, we had an error with last week's show, and we got that fixed. Quickly repaired. Quickly repaired. Thanks to our legion of... Pro bono. <laughs> yeah, tech support. Tech support, there. yes. I, just, I, I would have noticed it. I would have, if I would known there was even a problem, I would have gone and been able to fix it. I'm so glad you reminded me because my, my buddy Eric um, requested a shout-out. And Eric, you certainly deserve this shout-out. Okay. Well, I'll just point out to Eric that he was uh, he made a statement in that email of his that told us the problem, which is technically not true. He said it should be this, really should have been. He took off the wrong digit. But, you know, how could he know? How? how? I have no idea. But... That's just a little detail. Just throwing a little bone. Yeah. If you if you had any idea how much money he made and how much of his time, <laughs> the value of his time. You mean um, it's like Bill Gates shouldn't waste time picking up a dollar bill? Pretty much. It was like Bill Gates picking up a dollar bill for our show. To help us. Well, that's very kind of him. Not quite Bill Gates. Well, but. I do appreciate him because somehow, sometimes I, I make a mistake putting it up there and don't even notice. Uh, and I think to myself, I should check these things every time and make sure there's no error and sometimes slips through the cracks. I'm sure he doesn't feel like Bill Gates. Yeah. Well, I'm, but we won't, but this is not the Eric show. I should point out that uh, there may be some correlation to the time of day when I upload these things is, and the number of errors produced. Is that when you're drinking like a madman? I'm not much of a drinker, but no, we do the show at 9 p.m. I get home at like 10.30 and for whatever reason, I think because I'm just old, uh, I'm tired now. Like when I when I get home, I don't believe you, and I don't want to do this. I don't want, but I figure I have an obligation to the fans to get the show up, you know, as soon as possible. You have a noble sense of duty, my friend. So, regardless of the situation, I will get the show up on the air immediately after getting home, or you know, within a couple hours, uh, usually before midnight on the Tuesday that it that it airs. So you get a virtually, you know, un, un, you know, fettered by time episode of the program if you so choose. So. Anyway, I'll do the same thing again tonight. It'll be awesome. Hopefully, I won't make any mistakes. Uh, Anyway, so you know what's happening this week. Well, I don't, but I just know I have a lot of really good stuff to talk about. We do. We've discussed some of these in in advance of the show, and we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, I don't suspect we will talk about this for very long, but I did want to point out that Nintendo 3DS comes out this weekend. Don't know if you realize that. Didn't realize, but now I do. It's a big deal. I guess so. It is. Now, it's very strange. This is the first new system that's coming out that I haven't been able to see in advance at some sort of event or party. Like, I just haven't been to anything where there was a 3DS present. I have still never laid eyes on one. This is what happens after you get married. You see? Well, that is somewhat responsible. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, like this particular device uh, is actually like the, like you can look at videos of what a PS3 can do and an Xbox 360, and you can watch people play the Kinect. But like the 3DS, you with with the devices that most people have in their home, you simply cannot see what it does and how cool it is without seeing one in person. And so I feel, uh, you know, I feel a little bit, you know, like I got screwed out of something. I'm missing this, but uh, it'll be out this week, and I'll be able to actually see how you, super you're amazing. Get it? You're just gonna go get it? No, see, I don't think I am because I'm not convinced there's any games I want to play. Yeah. As soon as the real Mario game comes out for it, I will want to have one, and I don't know if I will get one really pricey man 250 for what is still a portable machine yep. which means it's going to come out with games that i never play um there's basically maybe one or two games i would ever want to play on it and i don't want to pay what would be the equivalent of what like 150 or 200 dollars a game that's fair enough right although I, I keep seeing people talk about the augmented reality reality options that it has and i i've never actually looked at a video of of what that means just that it's got really cool augmented stuff yeah. augmented reality basically just refers to types of things where you've got a camera and the camera is look i mean it's like it's like that well, eye of whatever card game right where the no, conceptually i understand what it means oh, it, okay. it involves the camera and it changes like what it's really seeing and adds stuff to it yeah. but i don't know what it's done that is so cool and like is it is it built in? You don't need a cartridge. Like it's just part of it, and it does something very specific. Like well, I mean, the game. There's, there's a game has got to be programmed to do something specific. I mean, it can't just be like, oh, augmented reality. Well, certainly, but like you know how PictoChat was part of the DS. Right. Um, Maybe something. It like might be that. something that's it's augmented reality gaming stuff that's built right in. And then my curiosity is like, just how developed is that? Possibly. Or is it just that like they've put out the concept, and so someone's actually developing a you know a cartridge piece of software that is. That offers augmented yeah. stuff. My, my I don't know the answer to this question. Yeah, my experience with that stuff so far is that it's really not nothing more than a trifling diversion. I mean, maybe somebody will come up with an amazing application of it, but it's like, oh, I'm looking at video of something in the room and it's projecting an image onto it. Like, okay. Well, see, great. I've wanted this for a long time, and in fact, I got a, a PSP a long time ago in anticipation of the GPS module being released. It was before the iPhone, right? Um, because it had some cool ideas for. Uh, you know, GPS gaming, gaming in the real world, and the GPS device, I was convinced, uh, I, I should have been smarter. You've heard me talk about Sony, talking about uh, products that never actually come to fruition. I was convinced somehow that it really was, and I came across a good deal on a PSP. So I was like, all right, I'll lay down the cash, I'll get it, because, you know, I really want to try this stuff. Boy, GPS module never came out in the U.S. I think it did come out in Japan, but I don't think any games were developed for it, just GPS-related. Frankly, I, I, felt, I felt a little bit ripped. As a PSP? PSP consumer. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I bought, like, four games, mm-hmm. and I thought that, like, half of them were good. And, like, not, like, half of the four, but half of one game. <laughs> well, you know, I've just come to realize that I will virtually never play a portable gaming machine because there's just, inevitably, it's going to be better on a home console, whatever it is. So I, the only reason I would ever use it is when I happen to be going on a vacation somewhere and think there'll be downtime. Like, sure. when I go visit the family over Christmas and I have a week of sitting in Nebraska, which with virtually nothing to do, like, I might play uh, Picross 3D. Yeah. <laughs> that's, But that's about it, you know? Um, now, with the 3D stuff, if there's something that has a like a very interesting 3D application, then obviously that's only on that. Yeah. Well, a lot of people that. are reporting that, you know, the the thing, like the 3D thing is wowing, and then you're just like, okay, I'm going to turn it off and play it. Yeah, like game. I just, I don't know how many, I've, one friend of mine put it very, very simply, and he's actually someone who uh, only has one true functioning eyeball, so it makes, 
Uh, it's interesting to hear. I would say the 3D aspect would be far (laughs) less compelling if you only had one eyeball. For him, definitely. But he was making the point that it doesn't even matter because the very fact that there is a slider switch on this thing. Right. And and there are certain situations when they would say, you know, you're not going to have the 3D, is going to basically encourage the vast majority of software to be developed with a 2D condition in mind. Like some people are going to play it on 2D. Yeah. And they've got the slider switch, and they tell well, that's, kids that's under a, six to that's not a good use 3D. Point. It's it's a very tentative type of thing, and and there isn't I've it hasn't really been made clear that there is actually a really really good compelling functional application for that effect. I mean, I think that there could be right, but I don't know if there has been any games that actually use that technology in a functionally meaningful and essential way. Well, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't, I agree with you where I, I don't deny that it's possible. Someone could come out with something that, that really the 3D effect is absolutely integral and, and does something that you couldn't do in some other, you know, in, I, in can, I can think scenario. of a few examples, but like, I'm not telling you what they are. Okay. <laughs> Certainly 3D opens up the options that 2D doesn't, but you know, most of the time you can get around that with a console that simply displays 3d objects not in 3d sure um so anyway on top of that i'm quite confident as i am with every other nintendo portable that the only company to ever truly do something interesting and inspirational on the machine will be nintendo Uh, and in that case i have a very small catalog of games to to look after the fact by the way that they're putting out a remake of ocarina of time I'm not confusing that, right? Like, they're putting out a remake of Ocarina of Time. I haven't been following that at all. Yeah. Uh, leads me to believe that they're not putting a whole lot of effort into something else. Like, I'm sure they are, but, like, they, they're releasing it early enough that they just, you know, oh, well, we don't have a game ready, so we're just going to rehash another game. Like, they have not done that uh, in the past. Other than with, with the DS, they re-released a bunch of old Super Nintendo games and stuff. Yeah. But it, it wasn't at launch. Like, they did that. To Nintendo does that, I think, quite a bit compared to the other ones. They do rehashes, but this is the first Zelda game on the system. Eh. And... I mean, I guess maybe it was the same way with the, the Mario. The games remakes, the even with the better graphics, they don't really excite me. Yeah, you know what? This is I'm totally wrong because at launch the DS had uh, Mario 64 on on the DS, so I guess they have done it before. But whatever, that one didn't interest me either. Well, so moving on. Anyway, it's a big week. It's finally coming out. I'm curious to hear what people think about it. So email us your thoughts. Uh, by the time our next show rolls around, you will have had the opportunity to play this thing. Um, in fact, I bet there's already demo units at Toys R Us and GameStop, but I haven't gone to look. Possibly. Anyway, that's all. I'm just interested in seeing it for five minutes. So I had this really, really intriguing topic I wanted to talk about, but I do notice that our, our friend Joe is on the line. And yeah, I, let's bring him after the break because we're about to go to break. That's, um, this is true. That's so coming let's just up. Tease but this we had, topic of yours. He, he, I think he wants to talk about this topic that he actually introduced to us about the Best Buy's buyback program. Okay, tease it for me. So let's. Here's a little tease, right? So Best Buy, in their eternal wisdom, are like, hey, uh, you know, you buy something, and you just don't know what to do. You got this giant TV, and it's just, oh, it's such a, it's so difficult to get rid of when you're buying a new one because, I mean, eventually everyone buys another TV after you buy one TV, right? Yes. I mean, I mean. If, Dude, if you have the if you have the cash. I was I was at a friend's house this past weekend and he had a TV with the 120 hertz just like you have, okay. right? Not the same TV. 240. <clears throat> Fine. Thank you. But none of your media will run. Okay. Anyway, it's interpolating. It's awesome. I know. So he's got the 120. Smooth as a baby's and, ass. Which a lot of people 
on on video thinks like eh, it looks weird right and it does make tv yeah. look weird but uh with video games it just makes them look awesome and i agree and i got to see that at your house once but like i didn't really think how that affects all video games yeah. at his place like even you don't know jack yeah. was looking better yep and i was just like you know what i have a 52 and i have a 46 I kind of just want to get a new one because I want the 120 because both of mine are not 120. Yeah. And the 240, even even higher resolution of smoothness. Yeah. Anyway. 120 is good enough. So they're like, hey, you know, we're going to do this program where you can sell back your old product to us when you upgrade, right? So it's kind of like when you go to the car dealer and you buy a new car, they're like, hey, we'll, we'll buy your old car back and we'll credit, we'll give you some credit for the new one, right? So let's, let's talk the details after after we come back. Yes. I don't want to give it all away. Oh no no, I'm not going to give any more details away. Right, but there's something incredibly smelly about this. Would you Would you actually guess anything different coming out of Best Buy? No, I wouldn't. And honestly, it's like if you're really if you're stupid enough to fall for it, then you're yeah. Stupid I should enough say the last couple it. of games I bought were from Best Buy, so I'm not totally opposed yeah. to them because nobody else is. Really but I great. think they're actually, it's actually smart for them. And when we uh, come back and tell you the details, you'll find out why. We'll be right back. Arizona's News Talk Leader, KFNX, AM 1100. And we are back. That's right, you're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. You know what we are? We are a program that criticizes the world. That's right. The world of video games. Chal- just like EA, challenge everything. Yeah. Even, even what you're wearing on a daily basis, the way you're walking, that silly gait and that smirk on your face, we challenge all those things. You're lying, though, because I, I have learned a long time ago not to challenge what you wear. This is true, but you've not learned <laughs> to not challenge what other people wear. <laughs> I guess that's true. Well, if you want to become a master criticizer of, of games, uh, you should go to uat.edu to learn about the programs at the University of Advancing Technology, where you could go to school for years and just spend four years of your life uh, being an academic complaining about games. Uh, that's that's what you get to do there. Just criticize and build. I mean, all of those things in one. And maybe learn something in the process. Well, there's that in the middle. It sort of happens organically while you're busy whining about games. Uh, anyway, so go check out the website. Sometimes. They sponsor us. They're awesome. Maybe. So I have to always come up with new ways to announce them, and it's tough. I feel your pain. I feel a requirement. All right, so as you pointed out earlier, we've got Joe on the phone who brought this Best Buy, uh, the Best Buy specifics. I mean, we both knew that Best Buy had this buyback program yeah. thing. They talked about it at the Super Bowl. Um, so where's Joe? Is Joe with us? Joe is on the air. Joe, are you with us? What's up, guys? What's up, Joe? Not much, man. Long time no speak. Right on. Um, actually... I, I didn't want to bring up the Best Buy thing. Well, too uh, forget bad. it. No I'll Best Buy. Don't care about I'll Best Buy. Chat really? About it, but uh, um, actually, I'm, I'm, I was a little behind on the shows, and I just wanted to say I just listened to the episode where you guys did the uh, the breaking the game. I just want to say I think that was the best show I think you guys have ever done. Dude, that is awesome. I appreciate you saying That's that. Cool. Although I don't remember exactly the topic. People love that media one. Games. Uh, that was probably the best episode ever. We felt good about but, that one, uh, didn't we? I feel good uh, right now. All right. I probably so felt I good back then, too. About was, uh, I, if you guys played, uh, well, I know you have a lot, but the Full House Poker. Yes. Yeah, Dude. I, I saw you on, and I wanted to hustle some chips off you, and I sent you an invite. What's, what's your gamer tag? Do you want to tell us on the air? 
Of man, not machine. Okay. See, I I remember. I saw that message. Prepared to be like, spammed and stalked. I don't yeah. I don't know who this guy is. Um, yeah, no, that was me. I just wanted to see if you wanted to, you know, lose a few chips. No, that's cool. I'm totally on it. I was trying. To, here's what. Let me tell you about this experience with Full House Poker. So it just came out. Kind of broken, it's, but it's good. Yeah. Well, um, I haven't found anything specifically broken with it. Although there's things that it does that I don't particularly like, but that's beside the point. Um, so it's. Are a, it's trying to be like the one versus 100 thing where like there's live gaming. They say like Tuesday nights come and play. Uh, yeah, that's what's broken. Reminds me, there's some going on today. Well, here's the thing, I didn't know like how seldom those those things happened, and I I learned about the game from a friend this weekend, and I went over to the Golgatron house and uh, on Saturday, and I was like, oh, I got to check this out. So they weren't using the the system, so I downloaded the demo. And I just went on there, and there was a live game going on. So I played. I played, like, three live games in a row. And it didn't go perfectly because I got into one game when there's only a few minutes left. And then just by the time I even played one hand, I was done, and it forces you to leave. Anyway, uh, so I, but I played a few more of the full sessions. And then I, after doing that, when it was over, I realized, wait a minute, the next one's on Tuesday? Like, it's four days away? Um, yeah, they, they spread them out for some reason. Like, the next one now is until Saturday. Yeah. Well, there's supposed to be one going on right now as we speak. Tuesday yeah. during our show. So if you're listening live and you want to go play at the same time, go crazy. Um, so anyway, I was playing on the on his gamertag, Rich's gamertag, um, and on the demo version. So then I went home and I played the demo. I didn't want to buy it yet. Uh, so I played the demo and I won you know, a single-player tournament, and uh, that was cool. And then I finally bought the game the next day. And I was like, oh, wait, everything I did during the demo is lost. Like, you know how they say you get an achievement and if you unlock it, you get to keep it? Not me, man. Not true. Because I had turned off the system mm. and went back to it. All that stuff was gone. So then, then I've tr- I've tried several times to win a tournament, just a single player tournament. I could win one in Vegas. Do you think? Do you think that they artificially let you win because you were playing the demo? No, because I lost several as well. I think I just I lucked out. Like I, I'm gonna guess that they don't manipulate the cards based on. Uh, you know, just trying to encourage play, like like a right. rubber band effect. Right. But they do definitely, they, they've built in ways to manipulate the characters because you can um, you can fake or, or bluff whatever by like, uh, you can aggressively fold versus just folding. Or you can choose what to is, timidly is, fold. What is that, like making like dog sounds like that a-hole on the... No, uh, like it's the difference between pushing your cards to the center slowly to fold them or slamming them on the table. Oh, that's interesting. Right, and so... Playing against humans, they'll most likely not care what you do with your avatar. Right. But that, it seems to me, and of course I can't be 100% sure. It, first affa- of all, it affects the, 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 the computer players. Yeah. And you're either playing all computers or all opponents. It's not like it mixes it. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure it has an effect over the single-player game. Uh, first of all, just because they included it. But also because it, it seemed to actually get people to, to fold more often than when I was not. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. It sounds interesting. Sounds nice. Yeah. But then the question is I like... I just wanted a, to share a little story about what happened. Do it. Um, so I was at this table, and I so wish I had a way to record this. It was the best thing ever. So there's about six or seven of us, and there's these, these two black guys arguing with each other. Hum, one's from human, New York, one's from Philly. Humans or computers? Two humans. Yeah, two humans. This is all like voice, over voice chat. Wait, okay. how do you know they're black? Are you racist? Avatars. No, no, you could tell. I mean, they were throwing all the racial expletives at each other. It, all right, was, so let's just was, say they were two, I'm guessing, urban gentlemen is how you want to call Urban it. gentlemen. Shall, okay. we, shall we give we the go. number out to Jesse Jackson so he can call in? <laughs> Go so, ahead, go ahead, Joe. They're going at it, and then they're drawing about rap from wherever they're from and all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm slowly just taking their chips, and uh, I, I, 
finally saw them speak up, and so I proposed that they have a rap battle. <laughs> so they both proceed to rap battle. You mean they with actually each other. accepted they, like your accept, request? Well, They're like, yeah, we're going to do it. That I do it after giving me some racial expletives. And I said, no, um, I'm good. But you guys totally should since you're both talking all this crap. And so they proceeded to rat battle each other. And while they did that, Joe, hold on, hold on. I made hold them on, both. Hold on. Joe, I am so impressed that you got two people to rap battle at your suggestion. My, <laughs> my respect for you has gone up I several levels. I wish I had a way to record it because <laughs> it was just the best thing ever. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I'm like scrambling. Like, how can I record this? And I was like, I have nothing. But it was great. And then I just made them both bust out, and then they gave me some more racial expletives. But, you know, I had all their chips, so I didn't really care. All right. Well, good job with that. I mean, this is like getting, like, two girls to just engage in, like, an impromptu, like, wet t-shirt contest. Two girls, one rap. <laughs> except except a yeah. lot less exciting. All right. That Well, that is that is stupendous. Now, while we've got you on the phone... we got to um, do this Best Buy thing. we, we got to at least say it. what it is, because we introed it. We've got to. So, um, do you remember the details, Joe? I sure do, because, yeah, because I get asked about it every day. You're hot <laughs> under their collar about it, so Joe, if you can very quickly tell us what is going on with this thing. Yeah, give okay, us all the technical so, details, and you've got to do it in three minutes or less. Gotcha. So if you go to Best Buy and say you buy a TV that's $1,200, you can purchase for $180 the buyback program. So that's, that's, to, that's the right to participate in the buyback program, right? That's the right for them to buy it back from you. And they offered this for free throughout February as part of their their promotion for it, right? That I wasn't aware of. Okay, I think they did. But no longer. But now, if you purchase, like, their Geek Squad warranty or whatever, I, suppose, I believe you also get half off. But, you know, those aren't exactly cheap either. So let's just assume that you, you buy a $1,200 TV and you buy this $180 buyback program. You can give it back within four years. If you get rid of your TV within the first six months, they'll give you a gift card for half the value, provided they deem it to be in excellent condition. All right, let me, now, let me stop you there. Uh... You say half the value. Are you are you just half like imagining a number, or is that as a, a that's defined within the six months you will get fifty percent return? Defined fifty percent return. Okay, regardless of the TV brand. Regardless of the brand, as long as they deem it to be in excellent condition. If it's not, you lose ten percent. Okay. Now I want to assume that most people do not get rid of their TV in six months. That's probably I would, right. I would think at the earliest you're looking at about two three years, and I think even that's a stretch. But I would think that's the earliest. So, assuming your TV is still in excellent condition, you would get a gift card for $240. But oh, you wait, wait, wait. Paid... Go, go, go over this again? So, after, if it's not within the first oh, six it, months, it, what it happens? It declines. I'm sorry, I forgot that. It declines year after year. It okay. goes from like 50% to like 30% to 20% to 10%. Yeah, so, if it's, if it's in like that one and a half to two year time period, that's when you get the uh, like 240 whatever store credit, right? Exactly. In other so, words, but... you're getting 25%? You're getting about sixty dollars for, your, for your TV yeah, because yeah. you already spent one eighty. Right. Yeah. So, so you're yeah. So your actual like your take is yeah, like sixty seventy bucks. Yeah, and if you're gonna tell me that in two three years you couldn't sell a fifty five inch TV for more than sixty dollars, and what's funny is what they do with it after they get your TV. They have a. They no, take I it do. home and have a party and laugh about how much they ripped you off. <laughs> no, well, I'm sure they're going to put it up used. Except we haven't seen that happen yet. Well, they don't sell it in store. They have. They own a website. I forget the name of it. It's like Good Buys or Good Deals or something like that. 
where they'll sell it at like a, an outlet store, they do online auctions, or they'll use it to, for parts for their yeah. warranty service to fix other people's stuff. You know what the insane thing about this is? If you wait after two years, you'll actually lose money by giving it to yeah, them. Yeah, you'll have paid them 50 bucks. That, of course, is only with the assumption that you buy a $1,200 TV. Right? The numbers yeah. may change. It the breaks l- down pretty much the same. But the math is sound. Thanks, Joe, for calling. I appreciate it. We'll be back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Woo-hoo! And we are back. We have we have firmly established that the best buy that. Best Buy buyback program is probably the dumbest thing you can do with your money in terms of consumer electronics. Probably. So not not too closely related to video games, but just a warning. We consider it a public service now. I don't I don't enjoy it when anybody gets raped, regardless of the mechanism. And so I would I, I like to inform people so that they avoid yeah. rape you know, situations. The, the insurance programs they throw in there. Uh, I usually say like it's a scam. You don't really need it, and I don't personally do it. But for some people, it actually is valuable because certainly you can, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get your stuff back. Um, Especially if, if you break it. Yeah, if you're super <laughs> error prone, if you just you just can't like every time you see a phone, you just throw it into the toilet immediately. It's or if like, you have kids. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're crazy enough to have kids. Now I take pretty much like everything I have is like pristine. Uh, unless someone else touches it. You have your goods under hermetic seal. In fact, this week, I actually sold my MacBook so I could upgrade to the new one. And I I even had the plastic that comes around. Like, when you first open out of the box and there's that little stupid plastic ring that goes around your wires. Like, I had everything. You open up, like, like the the wrapper, you, like, open up it real careful, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, like, I gave it – I actually returned it to that state when I gave it, you know, to the person who was buying it. Uh, because that's how how much I care. Few people take the care that you do. That's true. Um, I'm just anal about it. So, uh, however, so the insurance stuff, you know, it costs too much, and they make a ton of money out of it. But for some people, it, it really is a good thing. So I'm not going to bash it too much. This dumb decision, absolutely dumb decision. There's no good reason to do it, because like you said in less than six months, any time from zero probably, to 180 yeah, days, yeah, they'll give you 50% back. You could sell it for more on Craigslist. No yeah, you'd, you'd probably do better if you hired someone to sell it on eBay for you, and those are outrageously bad deals. Yeah. Uh, I, the one good thing they have um, is a buy baculator uh, yeah. to tell you how much Which money you'll get Which has nothing to do with Scott Bakula, by the way. No, but just the name buy baculator is awesome. It's Yeah, and I'm sure that... The, <laughs> That's awesome for them. <laughs> All right, it's, so moving right along. It's how it's calculate how much you'll get raped. Okay. It's, it's actually measured. the The chart that they put on the page is just uh, the the charts uh, levels for the number of amount of percentage you get back. Is yeah. actually a graphic of a penis of varying size. There you for go. How how strongly you'll get raped. I'm I'm surprised that that's that's how you interpret that graphic. Yeah. Well, no. If you go, I mean, you go to the buybackulator and sure, see, mine looks exactly. It's like actually that. a graphic of penis of varying size. Okay, so there's um, we got like what half ish of show left. Yeah. All right. I got I got something really interesting that I want to talk about. I don't believe it. And I know it's hard to believe, but it does happen. There's um, you know, as as a game developer, right? 
I find very, 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 very fascinating experience in reading reviews of games that I've contributed to or made. Mm. Yeah. And I've witnessed that firsthand. Right. And you, and you have, and the thing that struck me the most, and, and this is, this is kind of like, this is going to lead up to what I actually want to talk about. The thing that struck me the most is that the, uh, the games that I've worked on reviews of which that I've read, I noticed that more often than anything else, Things about the game that I think are inconsequential, not important, um, are are praised in extremely surprising and unexpected ways, and it goes the other way around too. I, I, I find that people glom on to aspects, right? That basically the short of it is that I've you know like that Red Star game, right? That, that was probably the best example because it got very very mixed reviews. This old PS2 game called the Red Star. It's funny we can say it's old now. Um, and, and it was developed originally for the Xbox, right? 2004. We made it for both platforms. It only came out on PS2. Um, but anyway, th- it was just amazing because there was some of the things that I thought we did fantastically well on and were, were you know not mentioned as much as I had expected to be. Um, we were criticized handily and heavily for. Um, nothing consistently, but for things that I would have never imagined somebody could, would criticize. And the complete opposite happened, too, where we were praised um, summarily for things that were just not that big a deal in the game or just not even, like, the the, the best exposition of what the game is or could be, right? And so that, that kind of, like, planted a seed in me, like, huh, that's kind of interesting, right? And... That was one thing, right? And, and so over the years, right, there's there's lots and lots of outlets that review games, right? And there's lots and lots of talk about, like, you know, what's what's a legitimate review? What should reviewers be doing, right? Do, do reviewers owe anything? Do they have any obligations? And We get around those obligations here at Chatterbox by refusing to have rules. Right. It's beautiful. And, and we, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, we just give impressions, right? Like, we're, not, we're never going to claim that we're going to give, like, a, a, a just, you know, a complete and fair review of something, we just say, well, whatever we're feeling at the time. And that's how, that's how it should be taken, and nothing more than that. Um, but reviews, a lot of times, they're couched in a lot more of a serious context. They tend to at least be framed as, most of the time, a complete and objective evaluation of the product. And over the years, really, like the more time goes by, the more that I start to learn and notice and understand that this veil of objectivity is so much less there than anyone ever thought it could be. Yeah, so you're saying there's a lot of hijinks behind the scenes? There's, there's, right, right. And, and it's happening on such a deep level that it's, it's just, it's just totally blowing my mind. If you really, if you really think about it. Now let me, at part two, Right. Let me posit to you um, what people in PR and marketing do. Right. Um, the most succinct way for me to explain this, to illustrate this, is to simply say that you know I knew somebody who worked in that field for games, and um, he basically his shtick, right? It wasn't really a shtick, right? But his, um, you know, his his thing, right, was that he would say, if you put me on promotions for this project, this game, this product, whatever it is, right? 
I will guarantee you that, you know, your Metacritic score will go up by, you know, like, let's say one and a half points or 0.75 points or some amount. Right. And, and so that was that was his thing. That was his pitch. Right. And so look at it from these people's perspective. Right. These people, um, without making a judgment about how right or wrong it is. Right. The, uh, the space that they operate in is that they their job is to to be stark about it, manipulate the public in order for the game, the, the public impression of the game to be cast in the best possible light. And how do they do these things? They do these things by, for example, like, you know, well, you can just send a game to a, uh, to, to, you know, to a review outlet. You can just send it to them. Okay, that's one thing. You can send it to them and send it with, like, a lot of really cool promotional stuff. That's another thing you could do. Um, another thing you could do is you could, instead of sending it to them, you travel there with the people who worked on the game or people who represent the game, and those people present the game in person to the person. Now, what is the facility of doing these things, right? Like, what is what is the purpose? What does this accomplish? Well, what it accomplishes is that the opinion of the person who's being exposed to the game, their their impression is, becomes much more positive when you do these extra things, like you go to the, you know, if you go to them and you tell them what the game is supposed to be about, and you basically, you prep them, you prep their expectations, you're forming, you're actually influencing their opinion of the game in subtle ways that apparently a lot of people don't really realize. I mean, I think it would influence it just by being in the same room. It, that is an absolutely true thing, right? Because it's, it's, this is, I mean, this is basic human psychology, right? I mean, you go over there and you talk to someone and if they're, you know, they're, they're a gregarious person, they're cool. And then so like, yeah, you know what? Like, this is a really nice guy. He's really cool and he's interesting and, you know, I mean, no one will, I don't know, I think few people will, will admit it, right? But the end result is that, like, your impression of it is better than if you just got the product, much less if you had to pay for it, for one, but if you just got it on its own and you were just left to evaluate it, right? And so this whole thing, right, is, like, the, the more I think about these things, the more that I'm convinced that just the whole gamut of reviews, the whole review industry, right? It's it's all a vehicle to manipulate the public's opinion about a product staged by the people doing marketing and PR for the various products. And the people who are doing reviews are most of the time, there's a few exceptions, but by the great majority, this is the beauty or, or the insidiousness of this whole process, is that there, there are a few, and I would say like really small amount, maybe like 1%, who is actually able to evaluate these things without being affected by all these confounding factors. All of this, you know, the nice guy and you get treated well and, you know, you get, you get primed to, to have a good impression of product. Because but, when you do, you end up getting fired anyway. Well, it, that doesn't matter, right? But there's, there's, so, there's so much volume that's going against the true objectivity of an evaluation that it has no chance. There's no chance to survive. Look at Metacritic, right? Metacritic is, I mean, it's an aggregator, right? And so the, the very fact that there's this insane amount of volume it is just completely overshadows the fact that the, maybe one or two reviewers might actually be evaluating a product on its own terms in an objective way. All right. Well, are we going to relate this to a specific subject when we return? Um, maybe, maybe not. All right. 
Well, I look forward to it. There's more. There's we'll more be back coming. right after the break. You stay tuned, dear listener. And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox, and, and we're talking about the how do you want to say this, right? Manipulating the public on what on reviews. Yeah, and like not so much the volatility of scoring, but the um, what's the well. Let me put it this I way, don't, I don't right? The right word. Right. There's there there is an assumption of ob- objectivity in reviews, but. The reality seems to be that the did I say subjectivity or objectivity? Objectivity. Yeah, that, that was the right word. But the reality is is that it's it's so much more subjective. And here's here's the thing, right? Games as a medium have reached the point, I believe, right, where it's so individualized, right? It's like it's almost like music at this point, right? It is really really hard to say that now in some cases yeah like, this graphics is better than that graphics and then okay like you can it's it's rather easy in some cases to be objective about that but then on the other hand there are so many products now these days where the bar is so high and relatively equal that to say that like graphics a is better than graphics b is almost in the realm of music tune a is better than music tune b right and this this kind of this kind of thing sets the stage it actually facilitates this kind of phenomenon to happen because the thing is a lot of people most people they really don't know what they want and what is great and what happens is that they are far more susceptible to the suggestion of whatever force it is that says this is great this is awesome you should think that way too Right. It's still it's I mean, it's it's almost like games in a lot of ways are like popularity contests now where the hot I mean, the hot game, it's it's getting so faddish. I don't know about you, Alon, but for me and, you know, I'll say I'll say right away that I'm like my, my gaming preferences are more like an outliers than anyone else's, perhaps. Right. But it's not like completely idiosyncratic. Right. I mean, there is very, very specific things that are good about games that I recognize and I enjoy. Um, and it's not like completely random, right? But on the other hand, it's like I don't know. There's just it, it's it's just it's just it's just too much, man. So I'm I'm curious though what what brought this topic to mind? Why why are you suddenly so enraged? Like did, oh I'm not I'm not enraged at, it at all. Actually, I'm I'm fascinated by it by more than anything else, right? But the thing is, right? Like I I've read so many reviews, right? The thing that spurred it on, I'll tell you this exact thing. This is what I want to know. Is, you know, I was reading an issue of Game Informer and I was reading the reviews. And, and a while ago, I had kind of sworn off reviews because I'd get incensed by reading them. Um, because just the manner of evaluation I thought was just so, so crazy, so random, so arbitrary, so idiosyncratic, right? That it was, you know, it's just like it, it had no meaning to me, right? Um, because there wasn't consistency from one review to the next? Well, it's, 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 I, I, I couldn't put a point really exactly on it at the time. But now, right, uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm kind of over that. And so I, I was reading 
a bunch of these reviews in this Game Informer magazine, and I'm looking at it a lot more objectively, a lot less emotionally, right? And I'm just, I noticed that, like, hey, you know what? Like, this game, the guy describes, like, oh, you know, like, this, this, and this, like, this is kind of repetitive, but it's okay, right? And then in this other game, this other review by somebody else basically described the exact same type of thing, but it was bad, right? And if you read the two reviews, there was, like, there was nothing that they could, ex- that they expressed that really told you why the same thing in one game was okay, but then in the other game was horrible, right? Yeah, well, and, I mean, and different now, reviewers, different tastes. Right, and and you can you know you could you could say that right, but the thing is like it's it's so. But that's my point is that there's so much variation of taste, and there there's so many ways that bias is introduced into the system that it's really like it's it's kind of funny because. It's like the the mass like in any individual is autonomous, right? But in, in systems like this, like the mass does not operate as an autonomous person. It operates in a way that can be exploited. And the PR and marketing people are totally exploiting these systems. You know, just in the same way that like, I don't know, you can say the same thing about like, you know, picking up girls and stuff, right? It's you know, at an individual level, you know, maybe, you know, okay, like someone's autonomous and they have their things, but in in the aggregate, right? It's a system where you can recognize patterns and you can exploit them. And, you know, like here are some ways that it can be exploited, for example, right? Um, you know, editors have a choice of deciding who reviews what, right? That's one way to introduce bias into the system. Oh, this guy likes this kind of game. I'll give this to him to review. Oh, we don't know. How, we don't have anybody who likes this game. Oh, or, or maybe I have a reason, whatever it is, for giving somebody a, a, a game to review. And I, I have a feeling that maybe he might not give it a good review, Right. This happens, you know, is the bias intentional? Sometimes. Is it unintentional? Sometimes, too. It doesn't really matter as long as it's there, right? Whether they assign it randomly or on purpose, the fact that who you assign it to could affect the results uh, is, is of interest. Sure, sure. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not random and it's not made by machine. It's a human choice that's made. Somebody selects who's going to review game A and game B and so on. Right, so that was unfortunately, right, that was the beauty of g- magazines like Famitsu and EGM. When they did their their when EGM did their review crew stuff, and because what they did was they said okay these four people the same four people review every game and so over time you learn the individual biases and there's a certain consistency about it and you're able to filter that out and you gain a much better impression about what the quality of game is relative to your interests. They unfortunately magazines like EGM totally destroyed that in the later years because they did the review crew thing. But then they changed it up, right? Instead of having four reviewers do every single game, they had like ten reviewers. Uh, a subset of four would do some game and another game, right? So there was no there was no measure of consistency in that respect. Yeah, I can understand what you're saying there. You, you, yeah. The consistency is, is what allows you. So, like you were saying, you don't like to to pay attention to reviews at all anymore because you never really know what's going on behind them, and someone might have a bias, and so you do want to. Have a better understanding. Like, uh, well, you, know, well, the, you know, this guy appreciates right. the same style of game as you well, the do, other and thing, he says he likes it. Right. You might like it too. Right. And, and the other thing about a lot of reviews, I don't know. It's just it's so hard. It's so hard to evaluate a merit of a review or a fairness of a review because they just basically assert this good, this bad, this good, this bad, right? And the same things are good and bad in different reviews, right? And it's and like what it what it finally comes down to is that. I, I don't think that you can really reliably like glean any information about a game 
from a review that's meaningful other than if it gets a high high score, it's probably a pretty popular game. There is, I'll tell you this one thing, that there is definitely a very strong force in the most popular video game review outlets that there's a lot of peer pressure that games that are intended to be popular for you to review them well. And it's, you know, I, I experienced it myself when I was doing reviews way back when. I was actually told that uh, a number that I assigned to a game was not high enough. And the way that they framed it to me, my editor framed it to me, was, um, oh, the number doesn't seem to agree with your words. And I, no, I thought that was just an excuse, right? It's a very convenient excuse, right? But I said, okay, this, this game deserves this number. And they're like, no, we're going to bump it up a few points. Now, what does that mean? You think you think that was the first time or the only time that happened? Well, I mean, I, I don't know what exact review you're referring to and what your words actually well, said. Maybe, well, maybe it did seem off. I won't see the de- say the details, but I will say that uh, it, I had a very, very specific reason, and and I thought that I was being very objective when I assigned it the number, and they said, no, we've got to make it a little higher than that. Oh. Well, yeah, maybe they had a, a, you know, a back, you know, back room reason for why they need to do that, maybe, which but- is... Well, the, the insidious thing about this is that it doesn't require there to be like a conspiracy or anything back room about it. These types of things creep along in very, very, very tiny measured steps. And it's only when they're considered in the aggregate that it becomes this huge behemoth. You know, it's interesting. I, I would have this question for you. Um, so, like, a lot of people these days are more trustful of reviews when they're, you know, obviously from their friends, but also when they're from a consumer rather than, you know, marketing people. You see, I would say that you're... You trust it more if it's from your friend, but at least my inclination is to trust it even less if it's from a random consumer. So here's what I was exactly what I was going to say is that like I might go to Amazon and read a review. Right. The problem is there's so much freedom in providing those reviews, right. which means there's also so much potential for manipulation. Right. But I go in there and someone reviews it well, and I'm like, ah, there's probably just a marketer who went in there and put it up. That's the, that's the thing. There's like it's so well known that. Uh, User reviews on outlets like that everywhere across the internet are so rife with and open to 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 manipulation that it's like at, at least for someone like me like if you know this then what happens is all you do is you're like you just ignore all the positive reviews you just look at the bad ones because nobody who you know nobody will manipulate it well okay that happens too but you know by and large right like the negative reviews are more meaningful than the positive ones. Unless you have a million negative reviews, and then you know it's a 4chan attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, but, and what, what I'm trying to get with all of this is like, hey, everybody, right? Like, don't listen to other people. Make your <laughs> own freaking judgment, right? Look at something, and you decide if it's good or We're not. We're a radio show. Don't listen to us. Don't listen <laughs> to us either. But use, you know what you should do? Use you, your mind. I, I have to remind everyone to go to uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Do listen to me there. Listen to me hard. Okay. Go to the Fair website, enough. learn about it, because if you don't, we're not going to be in the air anymore. And then everywhere else you can be an independent thinker. And they're actually good people over there. You don't even need me to, to like pretend like I'm lying about it, because it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, we're going to be back next week, right? Fight the power. We'll be back next week. More chat about video games. Email us. Go to our website, chatterboxgameshow.com. Go to golgatron.com as well. See ya. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.